Georgia football's biggest hurdle to a three-peat, winning the national championship three years in a row. That would be the Tennessee Volunteers, according to one former Bulldog quarterback. We'll tell you who, what he said, all that more here on your Thursday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it's another beautiful day of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you being here with me uh, today and every day. Shout out, everydayers. You know who you are. Appreciate you and appreciate the messages you guys send me each and every week. Locked On Vols on YouTube. Please subscribe if you haven't already. A download wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, literally wherever we are there for you to uh, listen each and every morning on your team. It's your team every single day, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, your first listen, we hope, each and every day. And uh, 30 minutes or less talking uh, Tennessee football each and every day. So uh, having a whole lot of fun doing that. Got a fun show coming up today. Got a couple things to get into. Aaron Murray, former record-breaking quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs, has some good things to say about the University of Tennessee in relation to how it affects his Georgia Bulldogs. That was on The Hard Counts with J.D. Paquel over at On3. Uh, we'll discuss his comments here coming up in a couple of minutes. Santiago Vescovi returns in Tennessee as a player from the transfer portal. Not going to lie, recorded Wednesday's show uh, before I went to the baseball game to cover that Tuesday night. And as things always happen, news happens after I record. So we're going to recap that, a little bit of reaction. And then in segment three, continuing to preview the NFL draft, the NFL Network has a projection that you guys are going to love. And uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay did alternating picks in a mock draft over at ESPN.com. Where do they have Tennessee's Big Five going? All that and more here on your Wednesday or Thursday show. I want to open the program by issuing a disclaimer or issuing a mea culpa, if you will. Um, you know, sometimes we talk and we make mistakes and, and, you know, stuff just slips out and you don't even know. And, and that happened to me yesterday. You know, that just, it happens in your line of work, doing radio, podcasting every day, whatever the case may be, whether it, and it was drawn to my attention in the comment section on YouTube and I forgot the username, but thank you so much. I went back and checked it out. Whether I misread my notes, whether I just skipped over the decimal place or whatever I said on yesterday's program that Tennessee spent uh, 21 million on outside counsel during this NCAA investigation. It's around 2.1 million. Okay, so that that is a big difference. All right, and, and I knew that it was the lesser number. Obviously, again, whether I just read over the decimal place on my notes or whether I said it and didn't mean to say it or whatever. I mean, hey, that happens. But I, I did want to come back and and correct that because that's that's a lot of money. Not 21 million, 2.1 or 2 million dollars is is the correct amount that Tennessee spent. Um, with outside firms and in, in investigating its own program. So uh, that NCAA hearing with Tennessee, former Tennessee head coach uh, Jeremy Pruitt, all that and more that's in Cincinnati and ongoing this week. What did Aaron Murray say about Tennessee in relation to the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, he made an appearance on On Three's flagship show, uh, Hard Count, the Hard Count with J.D. Paquel, does great work over there. And he was discussing the biggest threats to Georgia's three-peat opportunities and his number one biggest threat to Georgia this year was Tennessee some interesting stuff here give this a listen um I'm gonna read the comments here I'm interested with Tennessee the game's in Neyland this year I think Joe Milton's a stud I think Joe is a freak athlete I had a chance to cover him a couple of games last year and you know talking with him and the staff and talking with Hendon Hooker just his maturity is great 
He's a freakish athlete. From running to throwing to size, he may be the prettiest build of any pro quarterback prospect out there in college football right now. Uh, that, that's for sure. And the fact that he's, by all counts, he's really taken a step up when it comes to his timing, his rhythm, being able to lay in the football, uh, lay into the football instead of just trying to put it in a hole some, in someone's chest. If he can take a step, I mean, it's going to be a good team. I would agree with all that, right? I mean, from the from the physical makeup to what he looks like in terms of being an NFL draft prospect. I mean, everybody's wanting to say, well, you know, is, is Joe Milton going to be a first-round draft pick? Look at Will Levis this year. Look at Will Levis. He's every bit as big and as, as powerful and has all the tools and intangibles and all that. I mean, I, I hear you. Will Levis still put two years of tape on there as a starting quarterback and was, you know, okay. Uh, Joe Milton still doesn't have that tape right now. So if he gets that tape, potentially, like if he goes out there and balls out this year and as a respectable quarterback, and I understand Anthony Richardson was very mediocre in two years as a starting quarterback at Florida, but he still has the tape, right? And so um, it, it just kind of, you know, is what it is right now. So I, I understand when you see Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, you know, why not Joe Milton? Joe Milton needs to go out there and play this year, and he needs to put on some tape and show that he can make some throws and work through a progression, all that type of stuff. So, you know, that's a conversation for later down the road. But I agree with him. I mean, he, he's, he is an absolute freak. Uh, Murray goes on to say, I think they're going to be uh, obviously aggressive on defense, as always. That is a Tim Banks defense. You're going to be aggressive. They're building depth, which means they haven't had, which they haven't had in a couple of years. So yeah, you get those weapons, which they didn't have in the spring game. So for those who watched the spring game, you know they were not healthy at receiver or running back. You get those receivers and running backs with a quarterback that is more talented than Hendon and can get him playing like Hendon. That's a scary team, but you know. That's really Georgia's only game that they have to really get up for. Let me go back and highlight this one sentence he says. You get those receivers and running backs with a quarterback that is more talented than Hendon, but get him playing like Hendon. That's a scary team. I agree wholeheartedly. Again, this is no disrespect to Hendon Hooker. He's going to be a first-round draft pick next week, but Joe Milton is more talented than Hendon Hooker. His skills, um, his abilities... They all, they all surpass Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker can make any throw. Hendon Hooker has a size. Hendon Hooker has the athleticism. Hendon Hooker has all that. Again, he's going to be an NFL draft pick. Hendon Hooker was so good because he utilized that and incorporated that with his smarts. Ability to process information at a fast clip. Ability to work through a, prog a progression at a fast clip. Ability to you know change plays at the line of scrimmage. And ability to read the defense, all that type of stuff. I mean, that was, that was the, uh, the perfect formula, right, for Hendon Hooker. But that still doesn't change the fact that Joe Milton's more talented. Can he be that type of player on a consistent basis? We will have to see. But that sentence from Aaron Murray really, really stood out to me. You get those receivers and running backs with a quarterback that is more talented than Hendon and get him playing like Hendon. That is a scary team. Um, but you know, that's really Georgia's only game they got to really get up for. I would agree. Look at Georgia's schedule right now. A lot of people are saying it's one of the easiest schedules in the SEC. Uh, UT Martin is where they open up with. Ball States. They get South Carolina at home, game three. Then they get UAB. They're at Auburn. They get Kentucky at home. They are at Vanderbilt off week. They get Florida at home. Or excuse me, that's the cocktail party, so it'll be in Jacksonville. You get Missouri at home. You get Ole Miss at home. You travel to Neyland. And then um, you uh, go to uh, Georgia Tech. It's a pretty easy schedule all in, you know, because I mean, look, uh, of course you play Auburn and Auburn, you know, who is Auburn this year, right? Um, Ole Miss will be a challenge, but you do get them at home. 
and and then of course you know the biggest challenge you know South Carolina might be a big challenge but you get them at home and that's week three and then you got to travel to Neyland so interesting comments there from Aaron Murray record-setting quarterback at the University of Georgia um, on the J.D. Paquel's hard count over at On3. Um, he mentions LSU as being another potential threat for Georgia, but of course LSU would need to win the West, and they would need to go on and meet them in the SEC Championship, so that's all TBD. But he, on LSU, he said, I think LSU in the West is a really good team. You know, I like Jaden Daniels. I like their offense. They bring back tackles. Uh, you got the running backs, the receivers. You bring back the best linebacker, maybe in the SEC. So they don't have a lot of questions on the roster. That gives me confidence that they can win the West and should win the West. So, but I just don't know if they have the depth yet that Georgia has. I would agree with that. Uh, two or three deep. That when they face off in the SEC championship game, they're going to be strong enough to kind of compete with the Bulldogs for four quarters. On Alabama, he said, but that'd be my two teams who would be toughest for Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU. Obviously, Alabama has a chance, but like I said, I don't anticipate Alabama winning the West, so Georgia won't have to face them this year. Is Tennessee the biggest hurdle for Georgia's chance of a three-peat, at least until it gets to the college football playoff? Aaron Murray thinks so. I think so, too. That game's at Neyland Stadium. Um, and again, if, if it can click for Joe Milton, you're going to have the receivers. Of course, you've got some questions on the offensive line, but you knew you'd have questions on the offensive line even after the spring game, and, and that's okay. You gotta work it out on you gotta work it out in, in fall camp. But Tennessee might be the biggest hurdle to Georgia's chances to three-peat, and Tennessee might win that game at home at Neyland Stadium this year. We will have to see. But uh, I thought those some interesting comments from Aaron Murray, and I wanted to share them with you here on the show. And, and let me know what you think. Add underscore Kaner at Locked on Vols. Hey, when we come back, uh, we will take a look at Tennessee basketball. Santiago Vescovi returns. Who did Tennessee get out of the transfer portal as well? What's this mean for Tennessee hoops next year? All that and more coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Something exciting is coming to Built.com, and it's on April the 22nd. I don't have all the details just yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something that you're not going to want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars. Head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is because the flavors they have right now are off the chain. Make sure to use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is Saturday, April 22nd to see what new flavor is at Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. That's at Built.com. All right, boys and girls, segment number two of a Thursday show. This is Locked On Balls with Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here today. Shout out to you everydayers. You guys are awesome and uh, really, really enjoy corresponding with you guys each and every day. Let me know, commenting on YouTube, sending me DMs, sending me tweets. Hey, everydayer, I don't comment all the time, but I listen every day. I really, really do appreciate you. And for making Locked On Balls your first listen. NFL Draft Talk, NFL Mocks, where does Tennessee been mocked here lately? Hendon Hooker, Darnell Wright, Hyatt, Tillman, Young. All that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's coming up in segment number three. A shorter segment number two because, well, it's basketball and you guys want to know more football, but we're going to get into it because I know a lot of you guys uh, freak out over basketball as well. Um, Santiago Vescovi returned to Tennessee, announced his return Tuesday night uh, with an Instagram post that said, hey, I want to address something. A lot of rumors about me. I'm only going to say this once. The rumors are true. I'm coming back for another year. Taking advantage of that COVID year, free year of eligibility, uh, is Santiago Vescovi, and that's huge for Tennessee. Um, 
that is an all SEC shooting guard. That is a pure shooter, something Tennessee lacked, you know, at points in times last year. And of course, Vescovy was on that team, right? But I mean, you need more shooters, and Tennessee doesn't have a shooter right now. Whoops, hit the microphone. We'll see what Freddie DeLoyne has to has to say about all that, and you can add him to Vescovy next year. But it's huge. And and, and Santiago was really the only one that was uh in my opinion, that was realistic. Josiah Jordan James still has not announced what he's going to do, but again, I, I, I think he's going to move on. Uros was never coming back, in my opinion. Um, Olivier's already announced that he's not going to be coming back, essentially. It's either you know overseas, which I think is most likely. He entered his name in the transfer portal to see kind of what his options were. Um, you know, We'll see. And uh, Julian Phillips, I think, is going to the NBA. Don't know that for a fact. He hasn't made an announcement, but I think he's going to the NBA. So even though I don't think his draft stock is very good at all, it's slid a lot this year. So um, Vescovy was really the only one that made sense. This is huge, a huge win for Tennessee, because what does Tennessee struggle with the most? Offense, consistent offense, shooting, the outside game, all that. And you're getting a pure shooter, all SEC guard coming back and returning to your team. And uh, really kind of get a mulligan for missing half or missing the conference tournament and, and potentially a postseason run in 2020 and also missing the first half of his true freshman season back in 2019. Remember, he showed up in December or really in January and was thrusted in the starting lineup because Tennessee got the early retirement from Lamonte Turner and they literally didn't have anybody to handle the, the basketball. And so. Um, that's awesome. Great, great news that Santiago Vescovy is coming back to Tennessee. Tennessee also picked up the commit out of the transfer portal from Jordan Ganey. Jordan Ganey, six foot four, 175 pounds. He is the son of Tennessee associate head coach Justin Ganey. So obviously the connection was was there, and it was a matter of when and not if for the most part. So uh Jordan Ganey is coming over to Tennessee, and um he is coming from USC upstates where he was a really nice, sharp shooter. He made over half of the three-pointers that he made. Let's see here. In his first year in college basketball, Ganey shot a crazy 49% from three-point range, making 74 of 150 attempts from outside the arc while averaging 13.8 points per game. Now, that was his freshman season. As a sophomore, he averaged 15.6 points per game, shot 34% from three-point range, and was named to the Big South's first-team all-conference team as a guard following that year so very experienced really really good sharp shooter and of course you know the connection is, is there because Justin Ganey is associate head coach here at the University of Tennessee he's got good size six foot four 175 pounds um, obviously he's going to be a role player this is not in my opinion yet gonna be the guy that comes in and just jump starts this offense I think this is very much a role player and um, you know Tennessee's at least addressing some some needs um, if you can take the place of what Tyreek Key gave you uh, but be a little bit better and a little bit more consistent. I think that's a huge win, obviously, for the University of Tennessee. Uh, a quote that he shared with VolQuest, uh, playing for my dad has always been something that we've talked about, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to play in the same city where my family lives, for sure. But that's not the only reason I made this decision. I like everything about Coach Barnes and the Tennessee program. It's exciting to me to have the chance to play on the SEC and to play against the best competition in the country, and to go to a place where I'm going to have a chance to compete for championships. So that was a quote that he shared with VolQuest.com after making the announcement. He said, I don't know if I was under-recruited or not, but I'm grateful for my journey that it's worked out. Um, everything was good at USC Upstate. So the locker room was great, and we had a great group of guys. I think I'm, I'm talking 
I think I'm taking the route that uh, really helped me as a basketball player. It's going to help me develop as a person as well. I love my time at Upstate. At the same time, I'm excited to compete in the highest level and have a chance to play for a program with the kind of resources that Tennessee has. No doubt about it. Tennessee will get you uh, we'll get you there for sure. Another quote, the first thing for me, obviously, is to get stronger and bigger. I know Tennessee has the program in place to help me do just that. As far as playing for Coach Barnes, I think he's a great guy, but also know he's going to be tough. <laughs> Ganey, Justin Ganey probably let him know about that. Like, hey, it's not going to be all roses if you come here because, boy, Coach Barnes, he will put you through that ringer. He said, I like it, though. Hey, I know the expectations are, and I want to play for a coach that uh, is going to be that tough on me. What successful Coach out there isn't hard on his players when they need to be. said, my dad has never been the type to push me or force me into anything, but he's always been there for me whenever I needed or asked to, had to work out for a question that I had. Um, I've also uh, gotten older as a player, and I've really learned more and more from him. We'll work on different moves uh, or on my shot, but we'll also talk about my game as a whole about being part of the team, how to work into the team chemistry. We've always been close as father and son, but I've gotten older and we've really gotten closer. That is Jordan Ganey on his relationship with Tennessee Associate Head Coach Justin Ganey, and of course on his commitment to the University of Tennessee from the transfer portal. Good news for Tennessee. Um, you know, Big, big day on Tuesday night, getting Santiago Vespi to come back, take advantage of his COVID year of eligibility, and adding a sharpshooter, um, from uh, a mid-major, of course, but a chance to grow into a role player at the University of Tennessee with the obvious connection uh, to his father, Justin Ganey. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tennessee's done. We'll see the final resolutions for Josiah Jordan-James, for Julian Phillips. Um, potentially, what's those numbers look like? We'll continue to keep tabs on the University of Tennessee basketball team as the week goes on here on Locked On Balls. But hey, coming back, I want to let you know about the NFL draft. Some more mock drafts coming out. Where are the volunteers projected to go that's a whole lot more coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. One final segment left here of this Thursday edition of Lockdown Balls. Here with Eric Kane. I'm your host. Appreciate you guys hanging out. I've been teasing it all morning long. Uh, let's get back into some more NFL mock projections. That NFL draft is coming up a week from today. Can you believe it? And we'll finally get to see where Darnell Wright is drafted to in the first round, where Hendon Hooker goes if he makes it in the first round. What about Cedric Tillman and uh, Jalen Hyatt, whose projections have kind of been a little bit all over the map here in the last couple of weeks? Um, a lot to get into over the next week in regards to the NFL draft. And uh, what are they saying about these Tennessee Volunteers? Uh, a couple of different mock projections from earlier this week I, I wanted to pull out and make note of. Uh, Peter Schrager, who uh, does a really good job on Good Morning Football. Don't get to watch it an awful lot. Um uh, but does a really nice job um, in what he does in that show. It's really entertaining. He did a, a first round mock draft, and of course, he is not a you know draft analyst. He is a um, host of a TV show that <laughs> airs on the NFL Network. But um, he still you know took his turn at it and kind of what he's hearing and what he believes uh, will happen. And you're gonna really like you know some of the stuff that he has says. Um, he has two balls going in the first round. The first one going in the first round is not who you think. He has Hendon Hooker being selected in the first round. Number 11 overall to the Tennessee Titans. That means he was selected in front of Will Levis, and that means he was selected in front of Darnell Wright. This is what Peter had to say about the pick of the Titans at 11 for Hendon Hooker. Quote, I can see I can see Tennessee moving up to get a quarterback like Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud, but GM Ryan Carthon and coach Mike Vrabel 
were uh, making the rounds at the pro days for all the top quarterbacks last month. But if the Titans aim to land one at their current draft slots, I'm leaning towards Hooker being their choice over Will Levis, despite Hooker being 25 years old and coming off a torn ACL. This might shock the world, or by the time the draft arrives, it might not be that big of a shock whatsoever. Hendon Hooker, 11th, being drafted in front of Kentucky's Will Levis, who is uh, viewed as the number four quarterback in this draft, uh, used to be viewed as the number three quarterback in this draft, viewed by some as the number one player in the draft, Mel Kuyper Jr. I don't understand that, but uh, nonetheless, that would be a shock to, to be completely blunt here. That's saying if the Tennessee Titans stay with their 11th pick, don't move up to get Anthony Richardson, have a quarterback on the mind. If they sit there, maybe they prefer Hendon Hooker over the other choice of being Will Levis. So, you know, we'll have to see. That's really, really interesting. You go down to pick number, you go down 11 spots from number 11, and you're at pick number 22, and it's the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens will select in this mock draft. Darnell Wright, quote, Wright's a likely first-rounder, though NFL teams seem a little mixed on the mauling tackle. There's no questioning his dominant performance at Tennessee's thrilling win over Alabama last October when Wright erased and... Um, you know, really bullied edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. In this in this simulation, the Ravens grab the six foot five, three hundred and thirty pounder, and he'll figure to be a key piece of the team's future, whether Lamar Jackson is there or not. Of course, other projected tackles ahead of Darnell Wright selected in this simulation include Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, also includes Broderick Jones. Also includes. The guy from Northwestern, there he is, Peter Skronowski, and I think he's the first offensive tackle taken in this simulation. Yeah, he is. So how about that? What if Hendon Hooker's taken 11th overall by the Tennessee Titans? This Titans fan, hey, um, I'd be happy about it. Uh, I'm not going to lie, though. It, it would be kind of a puzzling pick, um, not to say that Ryan Tannehill <laughs> is the future of the Titans franchise, but... Uh, being a Titans fan, I understand there are so many different holes in that Titans offensive line and the Titans secondary, Titans defense overall. You need a playmaking wide receiver in the worst way. Um, I'm not sure if a quarterback in general for the Titans uh, would be what I pick at 11 or if I move up to get a quarterback. But uh, again, Ryan Tannehill is not the answer for the future. He can play this year, but you know he's not the answer. So if they believe Hendon Hooker is, by golly, this Titans fan will be happy because I like the way Hendon Hooker plays. And obviously, you know, going to my favorite team would be really, really cool. Also, can't stand Malik Willis. Think he's a awful, awful quarterback. And I thought that was thank God Tennessee did not take him in the first round like I thought they were going to. They took him in the third round. So you know that was uh, makes it a little bit better. But I do not think Malik Willis is good whatsoever. All right, so that is a simulation from Good Morning Football host Peter Schrager. Let's move on to a mock draft done by the top two NFL draft analysts out there, ESPN's Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. The way they did this one was alternating picks, and so I believe it was Kuyper. Maybe they went by seniority, got the first pick overall. He selected Bryce Young to the Panthers, and McShay followed up with C.J. Stroud to the Texans, and Kuyper went with Anderson Jr. to the Cardinals, and McShay, Anthony Richardson to the Colts, so on and so forth. Uh, where do they have Tennessee? This is a three-round mock draft of alternating picks. Where do they have Tennessee Volunteers going? Well, with the 11th pick, the Tennessee Titans select Will Levis. So in this simulation, obviously those two guys are still higher with Levis than Hooker. But uh, you talk about this Titans fan, if they take Will Levis in the first round, God, that 
piss me off, but we'll see what happens. Um, let's go down to number 16 overall. Todd McShay has the Washington Commanders selecting Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. Quote, I know Washington just signed Andrew Wiley, but Wright is an excellent run blocker who could be a long-term solution at right tackle. And if the Commanders want, they could bump him inside as a rookie. Wright plays with power and quickness to open up running lanes and stall pass rushing attempts. Uh, Wright is very much better. This is me now. Wright is very much better as an offensive tackle, but he can play guard. He has played guard in his time. In this simulation, um, only one Tennessee volunteer is selected in the first round. The second one would be with the one, two, three, four, five, sixth pick of the second round. That trendy pick for Hendon Hooker of the Seattle Seahawks with a 37th overall pick in the draft. Um, right inside the first of the second round, the Seahawks take Hendon Hooker. This was Kuyper's pick. Said, this is where I'd feel comfortable taking Hooker if I were running a draft room. Seattle was able to fill defensive holes with its top two picks, and now it can try for its quarterback of the future. Geno Smith's contract shouldn't prohibit the Seahawks from taking Hooker if they like him. Uh, you don't have to go far to see the next Tennessee volunteer off the board. Two spots down, number 39 overall, Mel Kuyper Jr. for the Carolina Panthers selects Jalen Hyatt. Quote, when the Panthers traded away wide receiver DJ Moore to move up to number one pick, I was worried for a quarterback that they were going to draft. Uh, their pass-catching depth chart has been barren. Now you sign Adam Thielen in free agency and taking a speedy wideout in this projection, Bryce Young, who he had picking or he, who he had the Panthers taking number one overall, would have such a better chance as a rookie. So Jalen Hyatt, 39th overall to the Panthers, according to Mel Kiper in this alternating picks NFL draft uh, mock draft. You move on now. Again, you don't have to move too far down. Nope, just kidding. My control F just pulled up the Tennessee Titans. In case you're wondering, with a 41th overall pick. Uh, this module has them selecting Darnell Washington, tied in from Georgia, former Tennessee target in um, uh, in the high school recruiting. And this is actually a couple of different simulations I've seen Darnell Washington going to Tennessee with the second round pick. Uh, you move on now to pick number 66, just inside the third round, and that is where the Arizona Cardinals will select Cedric Tillman, according to Todd McShay. Quote, whether, you're, whether or not DeAndre Hopkins gets traded, the Cardinals could use additional receiver help, and Tillman is a big pass-catching uh, uh, target with strong hands, downfield ability, and really good body control. Injuries held him back a bit last season, but Tillman would be a great get in the third round. If he makes it to the third round, that's absolutely a great get. Um, I've seen a couple different modules where the Cardinals would have interest in Cedric Tillman. And I guess that these two guys, when one picks a Tennessee guy, the other one's like, oh, yeah, I need to pick that Tennessee guy as well. It just kind of reminds them that Tennessee has so many prospects because you don't have to travel far to find the next Tennessee volunteer selected. One pick, in fact, 67th overall, just inside the third round, the Denver Broncos, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., will take Byron Young. At six foot two, 250 pounds, Young is undersized, but he has a nose for pursuing the quarterbacks. This is Denver's first pick in the draft, and it should focus on the front seven with one of these selections. The Broncos also select 68th overall, which is they have the 67th pick and the 68th pick. So with back-to-back -back selections, if Byron Young is still on the board, potentially a landing spot could be for the Denver Broncos. All right, so again, you're getting more and more validation that Darnell Wright is going to be a first-round pick. And I know this simulation didn't have Hendon Hooker as a first-round pick, but uh, the one before that from the NFL Network sure did. Again, we're, we're seven days away. We'll see exactly how many volunteers are selected in the first round. I feel really good about Darnell Wright. Um, I feel good about Hendon Hooker just because of the position he plays. 
We will see what happens, and of course, we'll react all all to it right here on Locked On Balls. Guys, appreciate you as always. Please subscribe to Locked On Balls YouTube channel if you haven't already. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever. Um, that helps me out a lot. And I uh, really, really do appreciate you guys. Shout out everydayers. Thank you as always. We'll come back tomorrow, get you set for a big weekend ahead. What's going on with Tennessee football news? What's uh, the, the latest headlines from Cincinnati and the NCAA hearing with the University of Tennessee? Big baseball series coming up this weekend, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, all that and more to look forward to on a Friday Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys. We'll do it again. This is Locked On Balls.